Welcome to the She Connects podcast. My name is Susan Vandenhubel, and I am honored to be your host each and every week. This is an extension of my ministry, She Rises, that allows me to connect with women in the online space. You can learn more about me and my ministry at www.sherisesmn.org or simply tap the link in the show notes. But for now, let's dive into this week's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm excited that you're here again this week. We are wrapping up the series that we have been in for a few weeks now on the armor of God. This is our final episode. (laughs) I've really enjoyed putting this together and offering a teaching on each piece. And you know what? I would love to hear what your main takeaways have been. If there was one episode that spoke to you specifically or how this helped you in your faith. This week, we're going to be talking about prayer and understanding the power and the effectiveness of prayer and seeing prayer as it's it's really a weapon. It's something that God has given to us, a resource that God has given to us to be able to tap into heaven's resources and, and just really begin to understand that our prayers, my prayers, your prayers, they shift atmospheres and they are effective and that they are powerful. I think it's interesting that when we read what the Apostle Paul wrote in detailing the armor of God in Ephesians chapter six, prayer is right on the heels of that list. Did you notice that? I, I just think that that's so interesting that he lays out the, the full armor of God and then right on the heels of that, he says prayer. Remember to pray. When looking at what the Apostle Paul wrote, we see he wrote on prayer more than the other pieces of the armor. It's one reason I include prayer when teaching on the armor of God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 21, verse 13, that my house shall be called a house of prayer. I just feel like that's really interesting because you know, in in church, we we want to believe that it's also a house of worship and that we are biblically sound and and that we read our Bibles and, and you know, that type of thing. And so I think that, of course, we could say that, yeah, we need to include those things. And I'm definitely not trying to take away from those. They they should be a part of our church services. They should be a part of our prayer circles and our life groups and, and those types of things. But I just find it interesting. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Oh, so good. And then in Luke chapter 18, verse one, it tells us that all men should be people of prayer. Prayer is our lifeline to God. It's what allows us to tap into heaven's resources Through prayer, we are harnessing God's power and claiming what Jesus has provided for us through the cross. Without prayer, we will be ineffective in spiritual warfare. This is only the beginning of understanding and having our eyes open to the reason the enemy does everything he can to keep us from prayer. We're going to dive into that here in in a little bit, but I think that it's important that we that we don't have our eyes blinded to that, that we don't have our heads in the sand, that he he does not want us to be people of prayer. 
He doesn't want us to view prayer as powerful and effective and all of what prayer affords for us as people of faith in our lives and our situation. And so he's going to resist us in that. Additionally, prayer helps us further develop our relationship with the Lord. Think of the relationships you have in your life. How did you get to know that person? It wasn't through sitting in the same room, staring at one another. It wasn't, it wasn't sitting in the same room silently, just, you know, kind of looking at one another and looking at one another's hair and, and cute shoes. <laughs> it was through conversation, having a conversation and getting to know their heart, their character, their desires. Prayer is considered as an act of worship because it positions us as one coming to the Lord with adoration, confession, and petitions. In prayer, we acknowledge and recognize his power and presence in our lives. Because prayer is to be a two-way conversation, or at least it should be, because remember I just said, how do you get to know the people that you are in relationship with in your life? It was through conversation. It was asking questions. It was being curious. It was sitting and listening, right? It's a two-way relationship. It's a two-way conversation. Hopefully, you're not the only one doing all the talking. Hopefully, they're also engaging with you. So because prayer is a two-way conversation, God gives us his wisdom. He strengthens us. He gives us peace, guidance, joy, creative ideas, and divine solutions just to name a few. Through prayer, he shows us how to pray about a specific need because we can receive insight and revelation. And I don't know about you, but I need insight and I need revelation. I need these things that I just listed off and and more. (laughs) All of the things that prayer benefits me in my faith walk, I want all of that. And if it's through prayer that those things are received into my life, then I want to be someone who is committed and dedicated to prayer. Again, as we see the power and effectiveness of prayer, it's no wonder the enemy does whatever he can to keep us from praying. And for some of us, it's a reminder that our enemy perhaps knows the power and effectiveness of praying more than we do. Yeah. I mean, have you ever thought about that? I mean, let me repeat that. For some of us, it's a reminder that our enemy perhaps knows the power and effectiveness of praying more than we do. And I think that if we really understood what we are tapping into through prayer, I mean, man, it would just, it would revolutionize. It would change our faith. It would change our perspective. It would change our posture and how we view prayer. And I think that that is some of the reason why the enemy is so resistant and puts different obstacles in our lives to keep us, to prevent us from praying because he knows it's powerful. He knows that it can shift atmospheres. He knows that that you can receive insight and, and revelation and divine solution, creative ideas. He knows that through prayer, you are going to be worshiping God. He knows that through prayer, God is going to give you wisdom. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to give you peace and guidance and joy and anything else that that you need. And so he doesn't want you to have those things. And so he's going to do whatever he can to create obstacles to prevent you from praying. 
one of the biggest obstacles that keep us from praying is unconfessed sin. We feel like the enemy, the enemy sometimes can bait us into believing that we can't go to God with that particular sin because it's, it's like a really bad sin. And somehow we think that, that certain sins outweigh other sins and, and God might be able and willing to forgive me of this particular sin. But this sin over here that I've been participating in actively, voluntarily participating in is just too, is too great. It's too bad bad for me to go before the Lord and and confess it before him and because he's going to he's going to condemn me he's not going to forgive me I'm I'm ashamed of of what I've been participating in and so we we kind of we kind of withhold and it's the bait of the enemy he wants to keep us kind of hidden and in the shadows and keep things in the dark whereas when the book of James chapter 5 tells us that if we confess our sins to one another and to God, we receive then forgiveness of those sins. And so when you think about bringing unconfessed sin before God, what you're doing is you're bringing that sin out of the darkness and into the light. And when the light of the Lord shines upon that, you can repent of that sin, 1 John 1, 9, and he will be faithful and just to forgive you of that sin. And then the hold that the devil and the darkness and that unconfessed sin had over you is broken because you've brought it into the light. You've brought it into, into the light of God. Another obstacle is believing that you're too busy. The excuse that that we're too tired or being convinced that because our prayers haven't been answered, they're then ineffective, God doesn't care, or the need is too great. All of which, they're lies. Some of those things are just, they're not a lie. They're an excuse, really, if I'm going to be honest. And I know that I'm probably stepping on some toes here, but some of these are, some of these obstacles are self-imposed limits. Some of these obstacles are excuses that we make to kind of excuse our lack in, in praying. And some of them are obstacles that the enemy does place in our life. I think people get stuck into believing they don't know how to pray, so they don't. People say things like, I can't pray like that. I don't know the right words. My prayers sound clumsy. Sister, here's the thing. When we say those types of things, we're making it about us and forget that prayer is doing exactly what we've already covered in this episode, tapping into heaven's resources, God's power and ability to bring the answer he knows is best for us. So really, it isn't about how fancy your prayers are or how eloquent they may or may not be. What matters is that you pray. It's about the posture of our heart. God, thank you for providing me a way to connect with you, to express gratitude of all of who you are and present my needs to you. One final word about making prayer about us before I move on to the next area in this episode is that when we believe answers and breakthrough rest upon how effective we think we can pray, we're setting ourselves up for resentment. Resentment that we could have prayed better. And then we blame ourselves for the outcome or the lack thereof. Our role is to pray and God's role is to answer. We have a role. God has a role. He won't do ours and we can't do his. 
Our role is to pray, right? To posture our heart, to humble ourselves, to humble ourselves and to pray. And, you know, when we humble ourselves and we pray, essentially what we're saying is, God, I can't figure this out on my own. I'm not smart enough to to figure this out on my own. I'm not smart enough. I'm not educated enough. I don't have enough experience to know which way I should go, what door I should knock on, what opportunity I should say yes to. I'm not I'm not wise enough in and of my own self and I thank you God that you have allowed and created this this place of connecting with you through prayer so that I don't have to rely on my own sense and reason, but I can come to you who knows the end from the be- from the beginning, that you know the way I should take. You know what door I should be walking through. You know what table I should be sitting at. You know what kind of relationships I should be in. You know what, what I should do in any given situation. And so God, I'm humbling myself and saying, I need you. I need you. And that is really posturing, posturing our hearts and, and understanding that, you know what, without you, God, I, I just won't be able to make it in this life. As you think of prayer as a weapon and understand what it provides for you, remember two key points. Number one, we are not beggars. We are not beggars. A beggar mindset assumes that we need to somehow convince God to answer our prayers. A belief that he doesn't quite understand our need. And it's up to us to prove our need is important. Otherwise, he won't answer, let alone hear us when we pray. Number two, we are not demanding. Be careful here because, yes, the Bible tells us that we can boldly approach the throne of grace, but remember, we are not demanding God to do anything in our lives. That is like pride. (laughs) That is, that is, that is prideful. I remember someone. Someone one time asked me just to further help them understand just prayer and what it is and what it's not. And and they were sharing with me a little bit about, you know, uh, their prayer life and kind of giving me a, a peek into what their prayers sound like. And and I just have to say here quick before I share this example that I I think that this person, like their heart was in the right place. They They wanted to pray boldly and powerfully prayer bold and and powerful prayers yes absolutely but i think that their approach they they just needed this was an area that they needed to grow and better understand in because this person was was sharing with me that in prayer they were praying something that sounded like this god i demand you to open that door for me God, I demand you to give me that job. And, and so this person was believing for a different job and a, a different opportunity. And he was um, using that word in, in his prayers. And so as I began to kind of help him to better understand this and reframe what it means to pray bold and powerful prayers, yeah, we, we can boldly approach the throne of grace. Yes, we should be praying targeted specific prayers. And yes, we can, we can be bold and courageous in, in those prayers. But when we cross the line and we begin telling God how to answer our prayers, 
wow, (laughs) that doesn't end well. And we need to be careful with that. We need to be mindful that he is God and we are not. That God is being good at God and he doesn't need, um, he doesn't need me to tell him how to, how to answer my prayers. Again, I'm going to explain a little bit about what it means to pray targeted and specific prayers here, here in a moment, because I do believe that that is biblical and we can find the biblical support for that, but we cannot find biblical support to demanding God act on our behalf. Both of those points that we are not beggars and that we are not demanding reinforce what I just shared about placing the burden for answered prayer upon us. Again, that does not end well. Rather, prayer finds itself deeply rooted and grounded in truth. We lay hold of all of who God is, his attributes and the names of God, how he refers to himself, how he describes himself, the things that he that he shares in the Bible about who he is. We lay hold of his promises and through prayer and continued study of the word of God, we can then occupy the promises. In other words, we pray something like, Lord, you said in your word that I that I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind, self-control, and love. I'm afraid of how this situation is going to go. I don't know how that need will be met, but by faith, I'm giving you this fear and believe as I do, you will put your peace in me. You said you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider. So I'm going to trust you to provide. See how that doesn't sound like begging or demanding. It's laying hold of who the Lord said he is, the promise to meet the needs that I have and is deeply rooted and grounded in his truth. I'm also a strong believer and encourage people to pray targeted and specific prayers. In the example that I just shared, you could include the amount needed, for example, in praying targeted and specific prayers. Let's let's say that that you that you have a specific need for one hundred dollars. Um, you can pray, God, God, I have this need. This this bill is one hundred dollars, or pay this amount by this certain time. God, will you please provide one hundred dollars for me? And and maybe even praying, uh, including in that prayer, God, if there's something that I can do on my end to help that $100 come into my wallet somehow, come into my bank account, will you give me creative ideas and divine solutions? You know, for example, maybe maybe you're a crafty type person and there's a craft show coming up. I don't know if they even have those anymore, but that's the first thing that came to my mind. But maybe you can, maybe you can bring some of your craft items to, to that craft sale and the Lord is going to provide that way. See, it isn't always about him just dropping, dropping funds down from, from heaven. Um, he can do that. He's done that for me many times. But sometimes he gives me creative ideas and divine solutions to be able to put some footsteps to the prayers that I'm praying and he provides through those means. We can also see this in the Apostles Paul writing in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 18 through 20. He says this, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit 
being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Verse 19. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So in these verses, we see three things that reinforce what we've already been discussing in this episode. Paul's prayer request was rooted in truth. He was laying hold of what he believed to be true about God, God and his nature. And then he, we, we see here that he was praying targeted and specific prayers. In verse 19, he says, and for me, he's, he's asking for specific targeted prayers. It's me. It's me standing in the need of prayer. Pray for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. That is a targeted specific prayer. Prayer should be a regular part of the Christian's faith. It's a spiritual discipline that we all need to develop. As I mentioned, the enemy will resist you in that. But can I humbly encourage you when you feel resistance, when you feel, you know, maybe you don't feel like praying, maybe you're just being honest and you're saying, you know what, I don't really feel motivated to pray. I don't have an interest in praying. I'm not really interested in that. And I don't really see the big deal about prayer. Can I humbly encourage you to step back and ask yourself why you feel that way? why you feel that way because if we if we remember what Jesus said the first couple of scripture verses that i mentioned in Matthew and in the book of Luke and Jesus's heart about prayer obviously it's god's heart for us and obviously we understand that he has provided prayer as a lifeline to him for us he's given it to us prayer isn't isn't for his benefit it's for ours and so if we're if we're lacking um, motivation, if we don't want to pray, we're not interested in prayer, we always come up with excuses, I'm too busy, I'm too tired, all those different things, ask yourself why. Why am I stuck in this in this mode of thinking about prayer? Why do I just feel like, eh, I don't really care. God knows my heart and God knows my needs. And so it's not really that big of a deal if I pray anyway. Why, why do you have those thoughts if that's not God's heart for you? Why are you feeling that way? What does the enemy have to gain if he can keep you from praying? Again, like I said earlier, sometimes I think that he knows more about the, the power of prayer and the effectiveness of prayer than sometimes we do. And sometimes, uh, and I know that this might be stepping on some toes again, but sometimes I think that we need to be reminded that prayer is our lifeline to God and it taps into the resources of heaven and brings those resources into our lives into our into our particular situation into our relationships into every area of our life don't allow not knowing exactly how to pray for something to prevent you from tapping into heaven's resources romans chapter 8 verses 26 and 27 assures us likewise the spirit also helps us in our weaknesses for we do not know 
what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit can discern our hearts when we can't seem to find the right words. Through prayer, God can show us through the Holy Spirit how to pray. He can give us insight and divine solutions. Man, again, like I said earlier, I don't know about you, but I need that. Sometimes I need to know how to pray about something. Sometimes when I go to God, and in fact, I I just did that earlier this week when I was out on my prayer walk. I was praying about a specific situation in, in my life, and I just I I just humbled myself and I said to the Lord I said God I feel like this is such a mess I don't even know where to start I don't even know how to pray I feel like I've prayed about this every way that that I could possibly think of and so I just need you to show me how to pray about this. Show me show me how I should approach this. Give me your eyes. Share with me your heart and and help me give me insight and and revelation. Um help me to see this with fresh eyes so that I can pray more effectively into this particular situation. You know what? Our our inability to know how to pray sometimes is not a weakness to God. Our inability, our our weaknesses, they're not a liability to God. And so don't don't let the enemy bait you into believing that because you don't know, you might not know how to pray about something, or you feel like your your prayers are clumsy, or you feel like you don't know the right words, or it, whatever the situation is. Don't let the enemy lie to you and prevent you from tapping into the lifeline that God has given to you and to me as followers of Christ through prayer. Prayer is a weapon. I think one of the greatest strengths of prayer is when we come together with others in a singleness of mind and a oneness in the spirit. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 and 20, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 30 and Joshua chapter 23 and verse 10 speak of how one can send a thousand to flight and two can send 10,000 to flight through prayer. And you know what? When we look at those two passages of scripture, we don't understand God's math because in our humanness, if we tried to figure that out, one plus one equals two, right? But where we, where it says in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 30 and Joshua chapter 23, verse 10, <laughs> according to God through prayer, one can send a thousand to flight. Well, that doesn't make sense to our human brain, but we're called, we're not called to live as, as people of the world and to approach and to approach matters of faith with our human minds through our own sense and, and reason. 
we're spiritual beings and we are to we are called to look at at things through the lens of heaven and so yeah we don't understand god's math but we understand what is being taught here that there's power when we come together in prayer agreement all throughout the book of acts which is really about the early church a common thread is weaved throughout that entire book of the Bible. It says this, as they were gathered together in one accord. Man, that is such a strength in, in, in corporate prayer. When we come together with a singleness of mind and a oneness in the spirit, there is power when we come together, sister. Never underestimate the power of rallying prayer reinforcement. Serve the devil notice that he cannot isolate you. Serve the devil notice that he will not isolate you, that he will not, that he will not pull you away from the body of Christ. And he will not pull you away from, from rallying prayer warriors to, to come together and, and join in prayer agreement for any needs that you might have. I remember back several years ago at, at a, a She Rises event that I was hosting. And as I was wrapping up that particular session of, uh, I think it was the Friday night session of the annual conference, and I was just really reinforcing this principle that we are better together, that we are stronger together, that we need one another, that there is that there is really something powerful when we link up with one accord with the body of Christ. And so as a demonstration of that, I asked them if they were comfortable, if they would link arms, like physically link arms with the sister, with the woman standing next to them, whether they were a stranger or not. It didn't matter because in the body of Christ, we're all brothers and sisters. So I might not have known you. I might not know your name. Um, I might not have known you when, when we came in here Friday night, but you know what? I believe that you are my sister in Christ. And so, yeah, I'm going to link arms with you. And so as they linked arms together and they were standing really close together, their arms linked together, I started teaching them and showing them the power of really kind of holding up one another, that, that there's strength in numbers. And so I, I gave this illustration that, that if I was going to go up and push one of them, that like, let's say the, the person standing directly right in front of me, if I was going to go up and physically try to push her and knock her backwards, it would be really difficult for me to do that. Why? because she was being held up by the sisters on either side of her. She was flanked on both sides with sisters in Christ who had her back, who were linked up with her. Whereas if if that person that was standing in front of me chose to um, not be linked up, to not be a part of the body, to, um, to just kind of do life alone and live her faith out alone, and I went up to her and I started pushing her, it would be it would be a lot easier for me to get her to to lose her footing, to lose her balance and to knock her down. Why? Because she was not flanked on either side with her sisters in Christ. Such a powerful visual of coming into agreement, being in alignment with your sisters in Christ, a oneness in the spirit and a singleness of mind. 
As I wrap up this episode, I would be remiss if I didn't talk a few minutes about how God answers our prayers. It's often said that he answers in three ways. Yes, no, or wait. (laughs) Have you ever heard of that? Yes, no, or wait. And so I want to unpack these different answers just briefly. Number one, yes. We understand this answer and don't need to spend a lot of time on it. Typically, yes means breakthrough of some kind. And in those answers, we rejoice and we say, thank you, God, for your faithfulness in in my life. Number two, when his answer is no. This one can be more difficult to accept simply because it isn't the answer we had hoped for. The door of opportunity didn't open. The project that we were so passionate about was rejected. The invitation you had been waiting for never came. You know, the list of examples could go on and on and on. I think it's important to remember that God's no doesn't mean that he's mad at us, loves or cares less about us and our needs than he does for someone else. The enemy would want you to believe that. But that is not truth. That is a lie. When we understand the character of God, we trust that an unopened door or no to prayer is actually in our best interest because often he sees something that we don't. Often he sees something that we don't. I want to give you another example. So, That person that I was sharing earlier about that was just kind of maybe needed to approach prayer a little differently and not demand God give him that particular job. You could pray about that that particular job. You could pray that God, if it's your will, God, would you allow me to have an interview? Would you allow me to to be hired here? And, you know, those types of things, of course. But that particular person who was praying about a specific job, he he did have an interview. He was given an interview I felt like the interview went really well, felt like it would be a really good fit and felt like they that they liked him and thought that it, you know, had gone favorably for for him. But they chose not to hire him. Instead, he got a letter in the mail saying essentially <laughs> thanks but no thanks. Well, he was really upset about that and felt defeated and was really disappointed and discouraged. And so um, in conversation, I was sharing with this person about how how much God cares and how much he loves this person. And, and that sometimes when God's answer is no, it's actually because of his love and his tender care for us because he sees things that we don't. We can only see in the natural. We can only see what we see, right? We only know what we know. And and in this particular example, everything looked right. It seemed like a good fit. It seemed favorable. They liked me and they even gave me a tour of the plant and, you know, all these different things. But God didn't, didn't open that door. Well, quite possibly something was on the other side of that door that he could not see, but God saw. And because God wanted to protect him from something, from whatever it was on the other side, he did not open that door. When we frame God's no this way, we can see his tender care for us. Both God's yes and no are his divine will for us. 
And I know, I know that yeses are far easier to accept. I know that. And I, I, I'm being honest with you. Sometimes when God's answer has been no for me, it's been hard. It's been hard for me to accept that. It's been hard for me to receive that through the lens of faith because, wow, this just seems so right and so good. And, and I mean, I just felt like the stars were aligning and the angels were singing over this, this particular opportunity, but God's answer was no. And it has taken me a lot of a lot of time and and a lot of character development, a lot of sitting in the presence of the Lord and really becoming very familiar in understanding the the heart and the nature of God's character that I am able to sit here and say that even when God's answer is no, I will trust you, God. I will trust you and I choose to have a posture of thanksgiving and gratitude that for whatever reason you are protecting me for something. And when your answer is no, you have something better for me, something that's going to be an even better fit for me. All right. So we've talked about the first two answers that God gives yes or or no. The third answer is wait and waiting is hard, isn't it? Yeah. Waiting is hard. As a culture, we've been taught waiting is unnecessary. Nowadays, we can get anything that we want at, at a click of a mouse. We have drive through everything. We can microwave everything. We live in a microwave society. Only God doesn't work for Amazon <laughs> and his answers don't come via Amazon Prime. Waiting is hard. <laughs> Here's the thing about God's waiting room. It may feel like you've been overlooked because you can't see him at work in your life, but faith tells us that he is doing something. You know, when you think about going to a, a doctor's appointment, for example, and you are, you know, you check in and nowadays for, for doctor's appointments, they actually tell you to come at at a particular time that is not your appointment time, the time that they give you is the check-in time, right? So let's say your your appointment is at 9.15, but they tell you to arrive at nine o'clock to allow for the check-in process, okay? So you check in at nine o'clock and then, you know, you're sitting in the waiting room for that 15 minutes waiting, watching the clock, you know, tick-tock, tick-tock, <laughs> waiting time, waiting as time kind of is marching on, waiting for 9.15 and the nurse to open up the door and call your name. Well, the thing is, is, is it's easy for us as we're sitting in that literal waiting room at the doctor's office to think, well, I'm checked in. They know that I'm here. I mean, why don't they come and get me? Well, because, and I know this because I used to work in a clinic and hospital setting. <laughs> so I have some insight into what is going on behind the closed door. <laughs> They're getting the room ready. They're prepping for that particular procedure. Maybe if you're having a procedure or they're, they're 
they're cleaning the room. Maybe someone just left and so they need to wipe down, wipe down the chair or they need to wipe down the bed or whatever. They're prepping the room for you at your appointed time. So it isn't that they're not doing anything. They're actually preparing for your appointment. It's in God's waiting room. Something is being worked out in us. Oh man, (laughs) we don't like it, do we? And we often become impatient. We can easily even become resentful at God because we know he can do something to answer our prayers, but he isn't. He isn't bringing the breakthrough. He isn't bringing the the answer to my prayer that I that I need and I feel like I've I've prayed about this from every single angle and and I've been praying some of us have been praying about things for a really long time and you feel like you have just been sitting in the waiting room in God's waiting room and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and, you're waiting and the waiting is becoming discouraging you feel like God, don't you see me out here? Did you forget about me? You know, in the waiting room at the clinic or at the hospital, they have those signs on the wall um, in in some clinic and hospital settings that says, if you've been waiting more than 15 minutes for your appointment, please see the receptionist. Well, why do they do that? Because they want to see what's going on. They don't want you to be overlooked or to be missed. (laughs) And so we, you know, we kind of march up there and say, hey, just curious. I've been sitting here for half an hour and, you know, are they, are they running behind? What's going on? And sometimes spiritually speaking, when we are in God's waiting room, we, we sometimes get a little impatient because waiting is hard. And can I humbly encourage you, go to God in the hard, go to God in your impatience, Go to God with your frustration, in your discouragement, in your disappointment. Talk to him through prayer. Don't allow God's waiting room to prevent you from praying. Don't allow discouragement, disillusionment, disappointment, your frustration or your impatience to prevent you from praying. Take those things to God. Instead of allowing them to keep you from praying, allow them to push you into prayer. Take those things to him because he cares about those things and he will encourage your heart. He will strengthen you. He will give you peace. He will maybe even remind you of of his goodness and and his faithfulness in 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 your life and that he he is at work. He is doing something. It's in the waiting room that our character is developed. Our faith develops deeper roots and we learn to trust God more. Again, is it easy? Not at all. Nope. In the waiting room, we are often prepared for what he has been preparing for us. Remember my example of the literal waiting room in the clinic. They're behind the scenes preparing for your prepared appointment. Again, we don't like it, but it is necessary. And every follower of Christ must become familiar with God's waiting room. You can choose to get up and walk away if you want to. Just like in a natural setting, you can become frustrated and irritated and impatient that the doctor's running behind and you've been waiting longer than 15 minutes. 
and you can choose to walk away if you want to. But you know what? You're still going to need that appointment somewhere down the road. You're going to have to reschedule and have to go through the process all over again. Spiritually speaking, you can choose to believe the enemy's lies that God doesn't care about you or your prayers would be answered by now. Again, you can choose to believe that lie or you can choose to believe the truth that, you know what, I'm going to activate my faith here. I'm going to lift up my shield of faith. I'm going to go back to what I know to be true. And I'm, I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe God. I'm, I'm going to believe that you are at work. I might not be able to see it right now, but God, I am lifting up my shield of faith and I am laying a hold of what I know to be true about you. And I'm believe, I'm believing that breakthrough is about to happen in my life. So three things that I want to encourage you in. At, if you find yourself in God's waiting room, and if you're not there now, you know that you will be sometime in the future. We all are, right? If we're not there now, we either just came out of God's waiting room or we're about to enter it, right? It's just a part of of our, our faith walk. Three things. Remember corporate prayer. And the power of prayer uh, agreement and rallying your prayer warriors. Stay in the word and stay in worship. Recall how he has brought you through before. Remind your faith of the character of God and who you are in him. I cannot stress the importance of feeding your faith. I just cannot. I can't stress that enough. Feed your faith. Feed your faith, feed your faith, feed your faith. All right. There's a lot more that I could that I could share and add in, in this week's episode on, on the power of prayer and, and really looking at prayer as a weapon in the armor of God. But I hope that this was a really great addition to what you already knew about prayer. I hope that this added value to your life and just really is championing you forward in your faith. Next week, I'm going to be offering and, and presenting a message that I gave at a recent She Rises event in January on the woman at the well that you do not want to miss. That message was really powerful. And I know just from the feedback that I received from all, every single one of those women that were there in January, I, I heard from the majority of them and how God used that one message and spoke to their hearts. And here's the thing about what God does. Only he can take one message and divide it up so that everyone underneath the hearing of my voice receives what he knows she needs to hear. So in, in that story of the woman at the well, he wasn't there for water. Jesus wasn't there for water. He wasn't thirsty. <laughs> he wasn't there for, for a drink of water. He was there for her. And it, the Bible says, and we're going to get into this next week, it says, he must go through Samaria. It says, I must go through Samaria. It was a roundabout way to the destination, but he, he had to go through. He must go through Samaria. Why? Because he wanted to encounter he wanted to meet with the woman at the well. This woman who had been discarded and ostracized by society that day at the well would forever change the trajectory of her life. Don't miss next week's episode. If you need encouragement, 
that God sees you and that your past doesn't define your future. It's a powerful message. All right. Have a great rest of your week and I will catch you next time. Thank you so much for joining me this week. It was great connecting with you. Hey, would you do me a quick favor that would mean the world to me? Would you go ahead and leave a few stars and a review or even a comment? It not only means so much to me, but in the online space and the podcasting world, the more stars, reviews, and comments that a podcast receives, the further the reach. It ranks up a little bit higher in Google searches, which then results in reaching more women with this amazing content. So if you are blessed and enjoying, you know, just the content that you are hearing here on the podcast, would you go ahead and leave a few stars, a review, and some comments? It means the world to me. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you right back here, same place, same time, next week.